First reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 41, and can be found on page 1094 of the Pew Bibles. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other, other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. And this can be found on page 1089 of your um, next to you. That's John 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Lord, as we think about the power of your spirit and the power of your word this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would open our ears and open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, it's a great joy to be with you all this morning, so a huge thank you for inviting me to come along and share with you the difference that your support is making around the world as we bring the Bible to life for people, uh, for every woman, every child, every man around the world, because we believe that when people engage with God's Word, their lives can change for good. Now, uh, I've been with Bible Society, as you heard, for about 12 years looking after churches in the South and West and our festivals programme. So come along to New Wine. I think you're going to be there at New Wine 1. Are you? Come along to Bible Society Cafe. You'll get really good chocolate mounds in there. So do come along. We'd love to see you. Now, uh, before um, I begin, I thought I'd start off with a short advert. So we're going to see if we can bring that one up, and then uh, I'll, I'll start.
got to feel sorry for him, haven't you, really? <laughs> well, I wonder whether you noticed the very last line that came up at the end of the advert. It's an advert for coffee, and it said at the end, changing your everyday life. Really? Coffee? I know coffee's good, but does it really change your everyday life? So uh, we're going to turn to Acts now to hear actually how everyday lives really are changed. So uh, Acts 2, 36 to 41. Now next week we're going to be celebrating Pentecost and this uh, passage that I've chosen this morning actually comes just after the disciples had received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and they'd come out. So to to kind of set the context a little bit, it's the uh, uh, festival um, of the part of Pentecost and all the Jews from around the world had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate that. They're all crowding around the Temple Mount and uh, they were there ready to celebrate. And then you had the disciples who were huddled away in a room feeling very scared and not really quite sure what was going to happen next when the Holy Spirit came and descended upon them. And then they were empowered to go out and they went out of the room and they started speaking in strange tongues uh, but other people around could understand their language and people were just in awe of what God was doing through his spirit. And, uh, but some people, of course, thought, actually, these people are drunk. What on earth is going on here? So at that stage, Peter stands up to preach so that they can all know, actually, what's going on. And this is the very first sermon of the Christian church, and it's a great model for any sermon writer because it concentrated on Jesus, it was grounded in Scripture, and it was short. So um, I hope mine won't be too long uh, this morning. And the response to that very first sermon, well, over 3,000 people repented, baptised, and received the Holy Spirit, and the church was born. Amazing, amazing story. So I wanted to spend um, a few moments just thinking about those three things that happened um, at the birth of the church, the repentance, the Holy Spirit coming, um, and the baptism. So uh, the first thing is that those... Uh, believers before the first church was formed repented, which means they turned around. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Swindon and used the many roundabouts in Swindon, but the picture up there you'll see is of the magic roundabout in Swindon. You can see it's lots of little roundabouts around a big round. It's a nightmare to try and navigate. But um, I was driving in Swindon a couple of weeks ago, and um, I got lost. I wasn't on this roundabout, I was on another roundabout, but I took the wrong turning, going off completely the wrong direction. But fortunately, I had um, a colleague sat next to me in the car. He lives in Swindon, so he said, no, just turn around at the next roundabout, then we'll be on the right road and we'll be able to find our way back to Bible House, which was great. And uh, it's a bit like uh, what uh, Peter is saying here, that actually... We need to repent. We need to turn around, go back round that roundabout, go back the right way so we can find um, the way that God wants us to do, uh, to go. And once they'd repented, the, uh, uh, the, first disciple, the first followers there wanted to seal it. Now, for the Jews, of course, that would have been circumcision. But for these first followers, it was baptism. And um, when the Jews came in for the festival of Pentecost, they would, before they went into the temple, they'd all have to go into these baths to get washed and clean. 
before they could go into the temple. And they're called mikvahs, and we'll see in the next um, picture a, a picture of a very old mikvah. And they're all around the temple mounts in Jerusalem. So the Jews would have had to have gone down one side of the stairs, gone under the water to be cleansed, and then back up the other side and into the temple. So what did these 3,000 new believers do? They used the mikvahs. So they went down one side, went under the water, literally turning around and came back up the other side. And as they came back up the other side, the Holy Spirit filled them and empowered them, empowered them to keep on the right road. Now, if I'd have been using a sat-nav when I was driving in Swindon, that would have been much better because the sat-nav would have turned me around and sent me in the right direction. And the Holy Spirit's a bit like a sat-nav. Once we've repented, we've turned around, we've been baptised, we've been filled with the Spirit, it's the Spirit that will keep us on the right road. We need this daily filling of the Spirit, don't we, to empower us in our Christian journey. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to change. The Holy Spirit empowered that first church. It empowers the church to do its work, to share the good news to the world. Jesus tells us this in Acts 1. We'll get the next um, slide up. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're empowered by the Spirit to share the gospel. How exciting is that? We don't need to worry. We'll be sent in the right direction. So uh, we've been empowered, haven't we, to share the good news, to share it around. I just want to say a huge thank you for partnering with us and doing that around the world. And I'm going to share a little bit about what we're doing on a global mission, working in nearly every country in the world, helping, helping every man, woman and child to get the Bible, because we believe that when people engage with God's word, their lives can change for good. So I'm going to share a little bit with you um, in these few minutes left about what we're doing with that. So um, you'll see in the next slide that uh, we work uh, in most countries and at home. So what we're trying to do is focus on four key areas, um, and that's our own country, where there's a huge need to help people to engage with God's word, Uh, with China, because there's such a huge growth as a church in China. There just aren't enough uh, Bibles for our brothers and sisters there. For Africa, particularly the fragile states of Africa, where places like South Sudan, where every day is a challenge, and unless they have support from people like us, they simply can't do their work. So we're doing a lot of work in Africa, And finally, in the Middle East, where I'm sure that you'll all agree that the Bible offers a real alternative to the extremism that's happening there. And there is a huge demand in the Middle East. We're doing a lot of work, focusing our work there at the moment, especially among the refugees. Uh, We can't keep up with the demand for Bibles. It's absolutely um, amazing, really, the work that we're, you know, the windows of opportunity have opened up to help folk to get the Bible, and and particularly in Austria, where a lot of the Syrian refugees are fleeing to, um, in the camps there, we've had um, such a huge demand uh, for Arabic Bibles, and they're just absolutely loving them, and it's something in their heart language, and it's bringing them hope in a hopeless situation that many people find themselves in. So they're the areas we're concentrating in. So first, 
uh, in our own country. Um, we did a survey uh, a year or two ago, and uh, we asked people what they thought about the Bible. This is the general uh, population. And uh, we discovered that 30% of 15-year-olds think that, don't, don't know that the nativity story comes from the Bible, is in the Bible. And uh, on the next slide, you'll see a headline in one of the newspapers uh, because um, it made a big media story. Uh, we also discovered that one in four adults thought that Harry Potter and Superman were stories from the Bible. Now, that is shocking, isn't it? That is absolutely shocking. But that was the results of the survey. But the really good news is that we also discovered that 80% of parents who don't go to church wanted to pass Bible stories on to their children, but they just didn't know where to start. Give them Bible, they just didn't know where to start. And so we're doing a lot of work at resourcing parents. Um, pass it on campaign um, that I can, I'll talk about a little bit later when we have lunch. And open the book where we, we have over half a million children hearing a Bible story every week in school through our storytellers. Uh, lots of different things we're doing. Um, but we also work a lot in the media because the media has such an influence on our culture. And so uh, one of the things we did recently was um, a thing on the Good Samaritan. We wanted to get the Good Samaritan story out there in the media. So we thought, well, we'd create a story. So what we did is we um, asked a church leader in Wiltshire, this, this chap here, Sam King, um, if he would go into the streets of Reading and ask people if he could borrow their phone. So kind of reenacting a Good Samaritan story for today, maybe. I've left my phone behind. I haven't got one. Would you help me? So he asked passers-by, and um, lots of people stopped and let him use their mobile phone. But then he went into makeup, and we made him up um, in uh, old clothes, um, a bit smelly. He was really made out to look as if he was just living rough. And he went out in the same area and asked the same question. Please, I need some help. Would you let me use your mobile phone? And I'm sure that you won't be surprised to hear that not many people uh, stopped to help him. In fact, most people wouldn't even look at him or meet his eyes. And he said that was the worst thing. He felt so kind of inhuman where nobody would even make contact with him with their eyes. Um, but anyway, three people did stop to help, and they were all what you would call the other. People that maybe would have been in that same situation themselves stopped and helped him. So um, lots of newspapers reported this, what we did, so we made it into a big media story, and we managed to get onto Good Morning Britain. So we had a nine-minute slot on TV, primetime TV, and we were really excited because we got Piers Morgan to say the word Bible on TV. <laughs> that's very, very exciting. We were very, very excited about that. So uh, that's just a little snippet of what we're doing in our own country. So what about in Africa? So we'll go on to the next slide. Um, what does that look like, bringing the Bible to life in Africa? Well, in the next slide, you'll see some prisoners that I met when I was in Ethiopia a couple of years ago. And uh, it was a huge prison, 1,800 prisoners living in terrible conditions. But while we were there, we took in some Luke's Gospels to give out to the prisoners there. And uh, they were really thrilled to get them. And there was one young man that received his, and he immediately went outside of the prison. He sat in the yard outside because he wanted to read it to his friend who couldn't read. 
So as he started reading to him, this group of other prisoners gathered round and sat down to listen to him reading out Luke's Gospel. And uh, when I chatted with the prisoners afterwards, one of them told me, um, I think he was in for murder. I think he'd murdered someone. And he said when he'd gone in, he had absolutely no hope for his future at all. But he said, I've come to know Jesus because he was given a Bible the year before. And uh, he said, when I get out, I'm going to go home to my community and I'm going to tell them how Jesus can change their lives as well. So amazing things happening. So what about the Middle East? Um, well, I say lots of work in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Iran, all those places. But I wanted to share with you a story um, of this little girl that I met when I went to Lebanon uh, a little while ago, uh, Beirut we were in, and the chap next to her used to work for Bible Society in Lebanon, but now he um, runs a day centre for children and young people who are disabled. And Susu was born without any eyes. She's seven years old. And he gathers around and brings all these young people back. And he teaches them to play musical instruments and to sing. He teaches them how to read Braille. And he teaches them about Jesus. And while we were there, uh, they sang to us. They did a little concert for us. And this is Susu singing to us. Once I was blind, but now I can see, because I know that Jesus loves me. We were all in tears. It was incredibly moving. And Susu um, is a Muslim. She has Muslim parents, and she's still a Muslim, so she goes back home at the end of the day. But she knows Jesus. She knows Jesus, and um, her life has changed. And um, uh, in the Middle East, uh, we were told when we were there, is that you, uh, when... Muslims come to faith in the Middle East, they're called Muslim background believers. So they're still in the culture, but they believe in Jesus. So um, some very exciting work um, happening there. And China, we're bringing the Bible to life in China. And you'll see on the next slide, uh, it's one million people, we reckon, came to faith in China last year alone, which is amazing. But there's a huge shortage of pastors and Bibles, because in the Cultural Revolution... Um, pastors were put in prison, Bibles were destroyed and confiscated, um, and the church stopped operating. Um, and so we just don't have enough resource. And we're working with a government in China, and they're very keen on getting Bibles to people and pastors into churches so that the teaching is right, so there's no false teaching. So it's a real opportunity we have in China at the moment. Um, in 1987, we opened up the largest Bible printing press in the world. You'll see it on the next slide. Um, and we're able to print one Bible every second in China. We have the next slide to just see Amity Printing Press. Okay there? Maybe we'll see it in a minute. Yeah, there it is. So you can see it's absolutely enormous. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, the first Bible printing press that was put into the factory... Uh, to print Bibles, used to print Chairman Mao's printing Bibles. It's very cool. It's very good. So uh, when we were there, we went with a pastor. He's a pastor of 70 churches. don't know if you fancy that, Mike. Um, uh, we went to four of his churches. And on the next slide, you'll see this is the second church we went to. And the pastor there said, you know, put your hands up if you'd like a Bible. Over half the people put their hands up. And I was at the front handing out the Bibles to the church leaders to give out to um, the believers there. 
And um, when they realized I was running out, there was what I can only call a Bible stampede. They all surged to the front. I was crushed at the front. And when I got back to my room that night, I counted 20 bruises on my legs. That was their desperation to get a Bible of their own. On this next picture, you'll see a lovely lady we met. She's called Yan Yuhua. She's aged 78. She's been a Christian all of her life. And this was her very first Bible she received that morning. So it was very moving. We were all in tears while we were there. So I just want to say thank you, because without our supporters, none of this work could happen. And we're really delighted, actually, that Honnath is church rep now for St. Jude's, and you're going to be forming a, a link with the Bible Society in Nepal, and hopefully we can get prayer and information and projects, a project link there. So um, uh, Keep your ears open for what's happening through Honda. So, um, yeah, so together we're doing something quite amazing, aren't we? We're bringing the Bible to life for those people around the world who need it the most. The gospel is still the same as when those believers first heard it. God's power is still the same as when the Spirit first came on those believers. And people still need rescuing. There are 7,000 languages in the world. Over half still wait for even one book of the Bible. So it's up to us, isn't it, to do something about it. So um, there's a few bits and pieces on the table. Do have a look. I've brought along some Bible a month forms. I'm sure that many of you are already members, but we would love it if you wanted to be part of this programme that makes big projects happen around the world. Bible a month, £5 a month, is enough to give somebody a Bible every month around the world. On average, five pounds to uh, translate, print, and distribute a Bible. And um, if you'd like to do that, if you think that's something that you're able to do, that you can afford to do, uh, do fill in the form and give it to me at the end. They're on, on the table at the back. And I would love to give you one of our Poverty and Justice Bibles as a thank you. Or I've brought along a few Servant Queen books that we're giving away to our supporters. So we'd love to give you one of those if you'd like to be um, a supporter yourself for Bible Society. Now I'd like to finish with one more film. Have I got time to do that? A couple of minutes. Um, it's from Indonesia, so you'll like to see it, I'm sure. Um, and this is um, a community that were waiting 47 years to have uh, the New Testament their heart language. And um, the reason was two missionaries had started um, translating the Bible, and they were very sadly killed. And this community was in mourning. They had to wait for some more missionaries to come over and finish that work. And a journalist in America heard about it, and she wanted to make a documentary about it. So she flew over with her um, team, with her film team, and they arrived just before the first Bibles arrived in West Papua. So uh, I'll play the film to you, that'll say the rest, and then I'll finish with a prayer. So uh, can we have the film? <laughs> 